This week's guest is celebrity chef Matt Basile. Matt is the founder of the Toronto-based street food brand Fidel Gastros. Matt was the host of internationally aired reality TV shows Rebel Without a Kitchen and the show Fridge Wars. And Matt is also the author of the best-selling cookbooks Street Food Diaries and Brunch Life. We talk with Matt about his background in advertising and how this had a profound impact in the early success of his career. Matt talks about the importance of developing a good idea and narrative and how this helps draw people into your business. We also talk with Matt about how after a decade plus of working nonstop, Matt has finally realized that bringing a work-life balance into play, working hard and being smart, allows him to be the best version of himself. And we finish off the interview with Matt dropping a few hints of his upcoming project. It's another terrific episode that you're definitely going to enjoy. And we're back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name's Kip. This is Dan. What's going on with you, buddy? Not much. Just uh, hanging out, being awesome as always. With uh-huh. You, yeah. how things with you? Same. Just uh, being awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, perfect. things are things are good. Things are reopening, and uh, we're back to full capacity. Of course, the vaccine mandates have been dropped. So, as we're recording this today, that'll happen this weekend, I guess, or tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Today's February the 28th, so right. March 1st. So, I will be interested to see what kind of effect that has. on. I, I'm just a little nervous that there's some people who just feel safer than knowing that everybody in there yeah, has been definitely. vaccinated. So, I'll be interested to see how that what, what kind of effect that has, but uh, hopefully not too negative. I'm guessing your bar is not going to attract the crabby Joe crowd. So think, that's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We provide a safe environment at both of my spots. So come on by Sugar Run, downtown Kitchener, Babylon Sisters, uptown Waterloo. So we have an amazing guest for today's podcast. Matt Basile will be joining us shortly. I'm sure you're all, any listener here is aware of who he is. So we're looking forward to talking to him shortly. If you like the show and you want to support us, the best way you can do that is to subscribe, rate, and review. You can get it, obviously. Wait, I don't need to tell you where you get it. You're fucking listening to it right now. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and also punch that subscribe button. If you want to be on the show, you can DM us at the industry podcast on Instagram. Or you can inf- uh, email us at info at the industry club. Mm-hmm. And as always, uh, all those links we talk about will be in the show notes. Uh, yes. And again, a big shout out to Zach Hanna at ZachHanna.co for the artwork he does for our Instagram page. Okay. So enough of us dicking uh, around here. Let's just get to work here. Uh, chef Matt Basile is with us. How are you, Chef? I'm fantastic. How are you guys? Doing we're doing well, yeah, as good as can be expected. I feel like we're finally coming out of this COVID nonsense, or at least hopefully. I feel like I should be knocking on a million pieces of wood right now. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, also, I also feel like I, we've said this like 13 times already. I this know. is the end of it. Fuck, right? <laughs> this I know is it's... the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at some point, like we're just going to have to learn to live with it. So <laughs> hopefully yeah. that's, that's the point we're at now. So obviously, there's a lot we can talk to you about here. So let's just start sort of at the beginning and kind of give our listeners a little rundown of how you got to where you are today, sort of throughout the industry, what made you choose a career in the service industry and uh, how you you sort of transitioned to see be more of a media presence. Well, to be honest, it, it only happened... Because I grew up working in butcher shops. I'm Italian-Canadian. Food was just a huge part of my DNA. But I never saw food as my career path. I went to university. I got an English degree. I went to college. I got a job in advertising. I was a writer. Like, that's what I actually thought was my trajectory. Uh, But I loved food. And food was always in the kind of the backdrop. And I remember um, in 2008 when the recession hit, Ad agencies were laying off staff like left, right, and center, especially if you have like an automotive client who was like just known that you were going to be making cuts. And I got laid off, but like I didn't even really care. I was like 24. I was like, cool, I'm going to take the summer off, I guess. Like (laughs) I was like, whatever, I'm still living in my mom's basement. Like it's not a big deal. But what really impacted me though during that was like watching people who were older get laid off and just like the emotional suck that was on their faces like when that was happening like i wasn't in the room and they got laid off <laughs> but i was like uh, <laughs> well like just in, in talking to them afterwards like just being like wow like it hit me very differently than it hit you and it was actually at that point where i said that i wanted to be an entrepreneur that i wanted to be self-employed 
And that was actually my driving force. It wasn't because I had a, a lifelong dream to be a chef. It was that I, I had set out a goal for myself that by 30, I was going to be my own boss. And I did it by 26. Oh, wow. So I was really, really stoked about that. I didn't get there till I think 36 or a little older, maybe even. Fuck, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good for you. Now we're getting into a dangerous game of who's how old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm coming up on 50 now, believe it or not. So that's, uh, but it took me till later in life to sort of become my own boss. But okay, so what was your first sort of venture? Well, so I, I started putting together a business plan for a sandwich shop. That was what I wanted to do. And I was using my advertising brain to conceptualize what that would look like. And I landed on uh, a sandwich shop called Fidel Gastro's. And that was kind of where I, I was like, oh, this is clever. Like I could do mm. that. Like that's cool. And that's why I spent like the better part of eight months, like really doing research, develop the branding under, I had kind of site locations in mind, put together the business plan, the marketing strategy, the sales, the numbers, the projections, went into the bank, did my old pitch and I got rejected in about 48 seconds. Yeah. They, were like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they were like, Oh, so you, what do you, what, what equity do you have? What, what mm. assets do you have? In, in fact, what experience do you have? Mm -hmm. the, the answer is, the answer is none to all those things. So I got rejected pretty quickly. So at, at this point I was still working uh, my job and I was like, you know what? Like I'm super bummed out by this. I guess this is just going to be like the the idea I had in my life that'll never actually uh, come to fruition. And I was at a party maybe two or three weeks later in the beaches, which is like the east end of Toronto. And they had a big open concept kitchen. And they were going to order pizza at this party. And there was a DJ booth and there was like a live bar. Like it was a lot of music industry people um, at, at this thing. And one of the guys was like, yo, Matt, like we were going to order pizza, but he's like, what if I give you money? Do you want to just cook? <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, man, totally. I'll do that. Like I was just half in the bag. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I started cooking and then do you remember the, the band Len, that song, Steal oh, My yeah. Sunshine? Yeah, the, actually. That guy was there. That's and funny. he like jumps. Yeah, oh, no, we had a, one of our original guests on this show used to tour with Len. So that's funny that. Uh, so that's a shout out to Johnny Goodtimes if he still yeah. listens to these. But yeah. right, Len, yeah. Len's making a comeback. So the guy from Len was like, he started cooking along next to me, and I'm like, cool, so we're doing our thing, and everyone like like five people started watching, and then ten people started watching, and then like twenty people gathered around, and then pretty much everyone at the party was gathered around the kitchen. And then like we're making food, putting it out, and everyone's enjoying it and having a good time. And I was like, maybe that's the business model, you know? Like if you can't um, open something up, it's more experiential uh, in nature. It's it's something that you don't necessarily have a door for or sign for, but it allows you to kind of connect with people on, on face value. That that was the original kind of idea that I had in that moment, it ended up materializing into what we all kind of refer to as like the pop-up now. But mm. I was doing it like 11 years ago when it was like, it was kind of crazy. It'll be like, Hey, you know, this is wild. So I quit my job. Um, and I started selling sandwiches off of tables, uh, illegally, uh, driving from <laughs> event to event, selling them. And you know, it, it is what it is. Like I, I, no, no, I didn't question. know what I was doing, but I just yeah. knew I had a good idea and I knew I was going to work hard and I was working very dangerous amount of hours um, right. to get to that point. I was actually giving a friend of mine free labor at his butcher shop in order to have kitchen space to cook out of to then go do these events. So it was it was pretty wild. But then as you know, as much of a an investment in time and pain and suffering as it was in the beginning, um, very quickly, I started to see not so much the financial rewards, but we started to see how quickly things were escalating for me from a, from a brand standpoint. Like people were really captivated by what we were doing. It, it, again, because it was 11 years ago, there wasn't a lot like that at the time. It was very, you know, uh, underground, yeah. <laughs> which now it's like 
People do it all the time, which is great. I love to see how it's evolved so much. But from there, you know, we launched our first food truck and then I got my first TV show kind of because my life was so weird. They were like, well, we might as well follow you with a camera. And um, and then after that, we we opened my first restaurant and then did a, a cookbook and then did a second food truck and a second cookbook and a second show. And it just it just kept evolving and growing from there naturally. And I'm the first person to say it's like we've had, you know, that's the that's the short end of it. And it sounds very like fast rising and you know but the the other side of it is the the sheer number of hours i've put in and sacrifices i've made and relationships i've ruined and all the other things that have just become not a unfortunately have taken a backseat to to developing this career but 11 years later i feel like um i have a lot more of a a handle on on more parts of my life Um, so i'm able to kind of grow the way i want to grow versus feeling like I have to grow in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Do you have a question? Uh, yeah, I was just wondering, when you first started out, how long was it till you found like you were like uh, profitable or able to pay the rent and whatnot? Like, did it, did it take a couple of years? Okay. I wasn't like, I had money saved up. Okay. So I think everything that I made was going back into the company immediately. It probably wasn't until, I wasn't making money until my first summer doing these events because then we were just doing larger scale events. So I remember like the first time I did Toronto beer festival. So it would have been like June, June, 2012, I guess, or 2011, something like, or July, 2011. I remember just my pockets were like filled with just cash. cash (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God, I'm rich. (laughs) It was only like 15 grand and I had worked like 45 straight hours. But uh, but like, so I I would say like I was starting to make money and by money, I don't mean like a living. I mean, like I was actually just making enough. Turning a profit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like it was, um, yeah, I would say it was about July of that year. And that's also coincidentally when we launched our food truck. So it just, when the operation allowed me to do more, more volume and because i was doing literally everything the labor was quite low though so that but then the more i started to you know hire more people and really grow things i was like oh my god this costs so much what's going on (laughs) okay so i had a couple questions just backing up a little bit so when you're talking about the original idea it's it's kind of interesting to me because like you said pop-ups are sort of everywhere now but at the time 11 years ago Nobody really knew what the fuck a pop-up was, right? So what you've developed in this situation is not so much like a business as much as a concept almost, right? Like you're kind of like, okay, well, what if... Like, what if I don't need a brick and mortar spot to sell my food? And like, so you're almost developing a concept. And I'm sort of interested in like how you feel your advertising uh, background helped develop that because you, uh, you had a leg up on knowing how to market, I would imagine. You know what? You absolutely nailed it. Um, I actually think that the reason I was able to have any amount of success was because of my background in advertising. And if you think about it, like I had never worked in a restaurant setting prior to do running my own. So like I worked in butcher shops, I'd done the breakfast shift at my university. Uh, that's not like any amount of experience that made uh, that I was qualified to do this. But what I did know that I had was an interesting idea. And people naturally gravitate towards good ideas. I think there's there's something about like if you take any any show that either has a strong, passionate following or a show that doesn't, you could probably boil it down to like the narrative that's being told and the story that's being told. And I think being a storyteller and getting people to buy into the idea made the journey to selling food a little bit more tangible and a little easier. And it was also at the rise of, not the, here I'm talking about, the rise of social media, but the, uh, it was like, you know, Twitter was really like still pretty new. Like, I think people were still trying to figure out how it was working. And it was very easy to engage with 100, 200, 300, 400 people in about 10 minutes. So when, you know, 
and now the irony is I can't remember the last time I've even opened up my Twitter app. So it's like, it's, um, it's so funny how it was such a necessary tool in those early days to be able to connect people. And then it was like literally just telling my friends and family what I was, what I was doing. And they all thought I was crazy. So a lot of them yeah. came to support me because they probably felt bad. They were like, this guy, right. quit his job. <laughs> this guy quit his job, selling sandwiches off the table. We should go buy a $5 sandwich off, off of Matt. He's a good guy. Um, so, but all, and I think I remember too, like when I was doing, even my first event, like we had quite a turnout and people that like, there's like people, you know, there's people that know you, but then there's people that like know you, know you because they've known you forever. Yeah, and yeah. Then, so they like show up like later and they're like, I remember some of my buddies were like, what the hell's going on here, Matt? Like, <laughs> who are all these people? Like, what is happening? And I, I had no response for it. It was just sometimes it still catches me off guard, like how life has unfolded in the last 10 years, you know, and it really happened so quickly, too. Like, I. I blinked and here we are 10, 11 years later talking about it in, in various kind of ways. But well, it's funny, uh, though. I, I think uh, yeah, like, no, I was going to say, yeah, you were right. Yeah, the idea yeah. is what's ever, what, what was everything. Well, and uh, but it's funny, like just hearing you talk, I feel like I've listened to so many people who have become uh, big successes say sort of the same formula. If you can figure out hard work and how to market that hard work, then that's kind of yeah. the formula for success. Yeah, it's so funny, too, because then those same people will then tell you about all the things that they've missed out on simultaneously. Right. Because right? Yeah. <laughs> um, there is something to be like, you know, I was, I was raised by, you know, my parents, but then also my, my Italian grandparents. And there's, there's something about that old school European work ethic that it's just ingrained in you to right. the point where you almost don't know how not to operate that way. And I, and I think I probably could have benefited from having a little bit more balance in the early years because I wasn't even really processing or thinking as I was doing things. I was just on energy mode, energy mode, and just trying to like keep up and keep things going. And I probably could have made better decisions if I was doing less things. However, it was because I was working so hard that people were just forced to uh, pay attention. Like at one yeah. point, people actually thought I had like a twin. They're like, there's got to be a set. There's no way he's sleeping. And I, I just wasn't sleeping. Like mm. I remember, get, I'll never forget this. The ROM, the Royal Ontario Museum, was, uh, did these events called Friday Night Live at the ROM. And on my way to the first event, uh, for them, I got into a serious car accident. I got oh, I got T-boned, and then I T-boned somebody. I remember just getting out of the car, directing traffic, moving the cars out of the way. I gave everyone my number, my insurance. I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> I, gotta go. I gotta go to work. I'll be back, and we'll, we'll we'll deal with this. And I drove to the ROM, and my car was bent in half like a taco. I had a piece of charcoal holding my door closed. I don't know why I'm Crazy. admitting this, but this is not like this is reality, right? Like, oh man! So you just you work to the point where you get to a place, and and like I said, it's only now in retrospect, years later, I'm like, that seems stupid. <laughs> like, why well, was You could be honest now, too. Did this accident happen because you were actually making a sandwich while you were driving? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be honest, it probably happened because I was on such little sleep. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, yeah. I'm not saying I fell asleep at the wheel, but I wasn't processing life. I was just like, gotta go. <laughs> no, I know. Like, you almost go into, like, I've been that overtired as well, driving, where you like, go into that mode where you're not even... You're sort of out of your body almost a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's 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 like the fairest way to put it. It's like an outer body kind of moment. It's like so that when looks like me driving that car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you're getting all these gigs though at the beginning, like obviously you got your name out there, you knew how you had a marketing strategy, but like just for the sort of nitty gritty of it, like how how are you getting booking the gig at the ROM or at the beer festival? Is that just like cold calling people, or did you find a network of? And once you're in the network, you kind of get invited. I'm so fortunate that in the beginning, it was just me being like, hey, I have an idea and I'd pitch people the idea and they'd be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Like, come on in. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Right. Try it <laughs> once. And that was kind of the, you know, it's called like the simple ask, right? Like, what was the worst case scenario in a lot of those moments? Like for, for someone to want a partner, they were like, 
yeah, the downside's pretty low for us. Like, right. cool. Like, why not? And I, I remember like, like, so when the raw, that came to me directly, like they, then they started reaching out, right? Because as people and as organizations started to see that I was getting more media attention, it actually became a benefit to them too, to be like, you know what, let's also see if we can be a part of this guy's growth. And I, I remember one of my biggest meetings that I was so like Jones for, I had a meeting at Steam Whistle Brewery because we were, I was going to pitch them on setting up inside the brewery for like Jays games and stuff like in between Jays games. And uh, so I had this whole like pitch deck ready to go. I get to the meeting and they're like, so when do you want to start? I was like, wait, we didn't have the meeting yet. What's going on? (laughs) They're like, like, yeah. And like, we, we checked up on you. You, you you know, everyone seems pretty happy with you. Like just feed our guys. And, uh, that's it. <laughs> like, oh. oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. it's funny though how much it's just like asking the question, though, right? Like, because I found that a lot during business as well. Like, it never hurts to ask. Like, if you don't, if you don't care about people telling you to fuck off, then you, like you can ask for yeah. anything. Yeah. I, I actually think that's such an important advice to give people: is don't be afraid to be told to fuck off, because yeah. then all of a sudden, like fear can be a really debilitating thing, right? Like it can really stop you from what you should be doing or what you could be doing. And I don't know why I wasn't afraid of failing. And I think, cause like, again, what was my worst case scenario? I just go back to work and advertising. Right. Like, you know, it, that, that was pretty much what I was just telling myself. And, and things were moving so quickly at this point that I felt like I was, I was onto something and you just kind of know sometimes, right? Like if, mm. if it was the opposite and I'm doing all this work and I'm getting no attention and no one gives a shit, four sandwiches a day, like, and then I could be like, all right, this didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. Right. Like, like yeah. <laughs> maybe I should pack it up. But it, it was it was going in the right direction. It was definitely worth continuing to see if this was where uh, I should be putting my time and energy. Okay, so what question I have too, and I, and please don't take this the wrong way. I'm just interested because no, like, a, a million fucking people make sandwiches, right? So like, yeah, what what is what do you f- think put you sort of over the top and like making people interested in your in your product in your sandwiches? Is it like just as much quality as marketing, or does it tilt one way or the other? So it, the irony is, my sandwiches or my food in general is just so much better today. Like. Yeah, yeah. So much yeah. Because I've had so much year, like I, I, I did, I was completely self-taught then, but I'm completely self-taught now, but it's been 11 years of owning and cooking and doing all this stuff on my own where I've put in, forget about the 10,000 hours, I've put in like right. the 10 million hours now. So if I was actually doing the food I do today, 11 years ago, I'd probably be in an even better uh, position. So I actually don't think it was my food that was... Mm. Um, that, which is why I'm telling you this. Like, I yeah. don't think it was my food that was getting people interested. Maybe my ideas, like my, yeah. I had some interesting combinations here and there. I wasn't, I was willing to like try certain things that other people weren't doing, but I really think what people were becoming gravitated was, was the story and the energy at these events. And it didn't matter if I was by myself at a table or at a big event with like thousands of people. I was always the loudest person at these events. Like I, <laughs> you knew if I was working it, because I had, I was just, I was so loud um, because I was having a good time, and maybe that's what people were gravitated towards. Like, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard for someone to be like, "Well, this guy sucks." If he's having a good time, like, like, well, I don't take that away from him. He's having a yeah, good time. Yeah. Like, and I was having a good time. So, and I think that's what people became with. Uh, gravitated towards hmm. uh so the other thing like because you kind of hit the ground running and we're just like you had your idea and you just sort of went with it and you're like with hard work and marketing i can make this happen then you're transitioning into doing like food trucks etc cetera, etc cetera. i know for instance from my own experience like the first bar that i opened i was like oh yeah i want to open a fucking bar like i can do it like uh, sure. and and then you run into all these things like that you have no idea about like with permitting and, yeah. and with the city and whatever so talk so, to me a little uh, bit about your learning curve there when especially moving towards the food truck idea so so the food truck uh was a, a natural next step in like my evolution right because i was like okay well i can still connect with people um it's still mobile in nature it felt like a natural next step from what I was already doing. So I remember someone was like, Hey, I, 
you would probably, if you are looking for a food truck, I saw this food truck for sale behind this place. You should check it out. And that was it. And I called up and I saw it and I'm like, turned it on. I drove it. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I just like, after the fact, it was like the fire suppression system uh, didn't work in it. Uh, The generator didn't work in it. Like I bought, (laughs) I bought a fucking, I bought a a total lemon. Um, (laughs) But how do you know, right? Like that's a learning curve. Like, yeah, like it's not like you're a mechanic. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like a mechanic wouldn't have been even able to help me because like I would have needed, like I, I didn't know that what the generator power is the thing. I didn't know what a fire suppression. I, I just assumed everything worked in it. Like, right. Why is this guy selling it if it doesn't work? You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, I guess that was um, why. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so I, I definitely, I, I, I bought it for 20 grand, which is so cheap. But then I, I probably had to put another double, like double that into bringing it up to working order. And because the truck was just sold, it felt like we were always trying to just make it work. Like I remember I went to public health to get it like approved. And this was like the last piece I needed to like make the truck happen. And they were like, where's your gray water go? I'm like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) They opened the door to where my plumbing was. And they're like, your pipe just goes into nothing. (laughs) Amazing. So I got like... I got a water basin and I just put it underneath. I'm like, ta-da! <laughs> and, and they passed it. I don't. It actually wouldn't have passed now because since then, there's a rule that your your gray water bin has to be 10% larger than your fresh water. So that rule didn't actually exist back then, which is kind of interesting because, like, when I got the food truck, it was still quite like there was a lot of gray area. Like people weren't entirely sure what was going on. There was a process to getting approvals. It was actually quite extensive. I think I went back to the MLS office, like municipal licensing and standards. I must've been back in line like seven times. And yeah. I remember the girl, all the girls behind the counter were like, today's the day, bro. You're getting your food truck. <laughs> like, you, you get a truck, you get a truck. Yeah. You know? So, but I didn't know shit. And uh, same thing for when I opened up uh, my first restaurant, Lisa Marie. Uh, I didn't realize how little I knew about what I was doing until I opened up a restaurant. Like that was a huge learning curve. Yeah. I I mean, I've obviously been through that as well. And like, it's, I mean, I know everything I'd worked in the service industry for 30 years, but like, and then I was like, okay, I can open a bar. I know how to do that. But I don't know the shit from the city and the fire department and all that stuff, right? Like that's the stuff that I think that people don't realize when you go to start opening your own business, there's all this shit that like you don't have any clue about. No, I know. That's just it, right? Like you don't know what you don't know. And I definitely did not know how to open up a restaurant. I figured it out. And I don't know how I figured it out or how we figured it out as a team, as a group of people but like i always tell people i was lucky enough to be busy enough to learn from my mistakes right if that makes sense. no like, it does, yeah. I, I was able to at the very least make sales so that it didn't really like i i, I was able to learn and i was so proud like you know the irony is i i, I did lease some for about seven years so on Queen on Queen West, which was just a a graveyard for restaurants for a while there, like you know restaurants were really lucky if they were coming in for a year and lasting a year. So here I am, first time restaurant owner, restaurateur, you know, self taught chef, never managed a team of forty people before, but now all of a sudden we got trucks and caterings and off site QSRs, and I'm like, what is happening? How is this going? And uh, I was just lucky enough to um, to be busy to make, learn from those mistakes. But I, I was so happy with the fact that the product that we had when we when I sold our last meal was so much better than the product we had when we first opened our doors. And I actually think that is uh, that, that that's something that I, I that's never or never will be lost on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you 
you had mentioned earlier that they, you sort of got approached about your first TV show because uh, they were just like, oh, this guy's doing crazy shit. We should, maybe we should follow him around yeah. with the camera. So, yeah. so that was sort of like just kind of thrust upon you. And, but you obviously went for it. And like that must have been a learning curve as well. Like all of a sudden you're in front of a camera and like it, you seem like you're basically the same. Like I've watched a few of your YouTube videos at, um, and sometimes I do some preparation for this show. And <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, I did watch some of your YouTube shows and I watch I caught a clip of the, the Netflix show. And like you seem like the same guy, like in person as you are on camera. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm definitely the same. And I've been told that before, so I actually take that as a compliment. So thank you. Well, I meant it um, that way. No. <laughs> well, I didn't yeah. mean it that way at yeah. all. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I meant you're an um, asshole. No. <laughs> listen, I, I know for a fact that I've probably been an asshole at certain times. Like, I'm Here we sure. Are. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you're not sleeping, you're never your best version of yourself. Um, and I think people really need to understand that how little sleep I was getting in the beginning, how much change was happening simultaneously. And then all of a sudden I was like gifted my own TV show and a camera was stuck in my face all the time. And I was running around like an idiot. And I was like, Oh my God, what is happening? And I don't even remember shooting the show sometimes. Like it was like, did we shoot today? They were like, yeah, Matt, there was a camera there the whole time, (laughs) like the whole time. So, I mean, it was a lot, but you just kind of, I, I was very fortunate that like, especially with like the, one of the the producers on the show, her and I are still very good friends. I actually consider her like a, a sister to me. You have to have trust in those people because they are literally capturing your world and all they have to do is twist it like this and it will look very different than the world that you wanted to be portrayed. So you really have to have a lot of trust and other people on the other side producing your shows. And I did. And, you know, they were, they were, there was a lot of times where I put up a fight about things that were happening because they'd like want you to say something. I'm like, I'm not saying that. It makes me look so stupid and so amateur. And, and I, I remember, I'll never forget one time we were at a standoff. I was like late for my buddy's um, engagement party. And they were like, Matt, like, we really need you to say this line. I'm like, we'll be here all day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to miss my buddy's engagement party, but I'm like, if you think I'm saying I'm happy that I broke even today, I'm not. Uh, oh, because yeah. I'm like, and that's what they wanted me to say. They wanted me to say that I was happy that I broke even. I'm like, I'm not saying that. I'm pissed off. They yeah. tell you I'm pissed off. So I was, I was really fortunate that they allowed me to kind of have that. And now whenever I do TV, you know, it's not in the, in the guise of it being a show that's following my life. Cause that's a very different kind of show. Like mm-hmm. when you have a camera, that, it's called like follow the puck, right? So I'm the puck, follow mm-hmm. the puck. Let me show you into my world. So you have to be like really okay with really showing people how you react to like scenarios. And there's a couple episodes where I I'm a, I am sick to my stomach watching them because I can't believe I reacted with such anger or I reacted with such, you know, lack of experience or lack of leadership. Like I was just like, oh, that's not me. I guess that is me. Fuck. So... Uh, <laughs> That, that, that's really hard. Like there was some, it's a great way to do some self-reflection. Let me tell you, watch yeah. yourself on TV, act like an idiot. And you're like, never going to do that again. Like that's a learning moment right there. So, yeah. but then I've done other, I've been lucky now that we, all these years later, whenever I do TV, people come to me and they're, they're saying exactly they're like, they're like, Matt, we just want you to be you because we know that, you know, you don't, you don't, you shouldn't put on an act. You should just kind of do your thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's how, that's how it's going to be. So I've been, I've been really lucky. Like I, I, you know, it's been, um, I think the last really big major TV thing I did was right before COVID hit. I did this show for, uh, for CBC called Fridge Wars. And, you know, I was friends with, I became friends with like all the production team and all the, the sound guy. Like I, I, I like to, like everyone's working, you know? So I try and meet everyone on the crew. I, I go around, introduce myself and make sure that like, if I'm not giving them what they need to do their jobs properly, because that's the other thing too, right? Like they're working, right? They're not just there for me. They're there for their, their own lives. So I'm like, if I'm not giving you what you need to do your job, you need to let me know because I want to make sure this is the best product possible. And uh, I, I think just having that kind of approach has made me really, um, you know, like I've had good relationships with everyone I've done TV with. 
it really does sound like your whole career has sort of just been like jumping into something, learning from it, and then doing better at the next time, which is yeah, really, yeah. It's, it's like, like a kid, right? But, you have a kid. Yeah. Fuck but that's life, life, right? Like, <laughs> that's, that's fucking life. Like that's, it's, it's yeah. like a mirror to life. So, but that, I mean, that's how we all learn. And it's just, but, um, but the difference between like me doing it and you doing it is you're doing it with a camera stuck in front of your face. <laughs> like I can't imagine the yeah. pressure. Yeah. So, you know, especially season one of the show, because season two is, I mean, season two is difficult for a different reason because it was now a travel version of that idea. So I was now a first-time restaurant owner. I'd only been open for four months. I've got a food truck going out. And keep in mind, I went from being at every event that I ever did and never not doing an event and not being there to now having a restaurant operating after four months and me not being there, having a food truck operating after however long I've been doing it and me not being there, you know, it was, it was really tough. Like, I think I remember talking to Mark McEwen while I was doing it and he's like, what you're doing right now is probably one of the toughest things you'll ever do in your career because you're just, you're putting a lot of faith in people's hands. And that's, and honestly, some of the, I'd always come back. Like I do two weeks of filming on two weeks off, two weeks on, two weeks off. And the two weeks I came back was always to fix the two weeks I was gone. Right. Come back. Like they'd be like, Matt, we need you to get a line removed. Yeah, one second, you're fucking fired or order this. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was yeah. really stressful. It was really, really stressful. Yeah. And I th- and I actually think because the shooting the show didn't get renewed for a third season, and I think the show was impacted by my lack of focus because I had so many things going on. It was a good show, but season one was better, and I think the reason why I wasn't the best version of myself doing it because I had too many things on my plate and too many mm-hmm. things on my mind. And I was also writing my first cookbook at the same time. So I'm at like the airport in Oregon, Oregon and I'm like, chapter two, like just typing away. Like I had, yeah, I had very little time for myself and that's not, I, I wore it as a badge of honor back then. Look how busy I am. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No experience. I'm yeah. the busiest man on the planet. <laughs> and then, then you realize that sucks. You spend most of your life trying to be as like not busy as possible, but you know what I mean? Like the goal is everyone's goal is somewhere on a beach with nothing to do. And, but then somehow yeah, we kind of, that's trick, really it. yeah, we trick ourselves into thinking like, Oh, if I can tell people how busy I am, then it makes it like, it's a yeah. weird thing that we, that people have where they, they feel like telling people how busy they are or being that busy is, is like you said, like a badge of honor, but really it's just stressing you the fuck out. Like that. And it's like, like, it's like, Hey man, what'd you say? Oh, you know, I got up and hung out, saw a game. Well, what'd you say? I was up at four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I fried 900 pounds of chicken and then I went to nine meetings. And I sold three. Like yeah. it was like, it was a lot. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, Again, I felt like, though, here's my rationale, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying this is my rationale. Because I was self-taught and because, or because, I, and I, and because this trajectory was happening so quickly, I felt the need to justify my success. And the only way I could do that was to let people know that I was, I was for real. I wasn't just a, a, a TV show host that got lucky. Like I was here because I was working my ass off and that I was, I was willing to work anyone outwork anyone at the right. table, you know? So I, I think I'm not saying that's healthy. I'm saying, I think that's where my head was at because a lot of people in the industry really were looking at me like who the fuck's this kid just showing up one day and all of a sudden, you know, that's this kid's got a TV show and he's got this, he's got that, he's got a book and I thought that. Meanwhile, they didn't know how much I was putting, like how much work I was putting into all those different projects. Mm-hmm. And that was like my rationale. And like, I'm, I'm just going to prove legitimacy by, by just, you know, working my absolute ass off. That makes a lot of sense, actually, because I could. Yeah, yeah, because you did sort of come out of it at it from and I know people in the service industry or especially on the chef side of it are very territorial about 
well, I, I, I went to this school and I achieved this certificate or whatever. Who did you work right? under? That's what yeah, you yeah, yeah. I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, so, so when you went to the cookbooks, you're like, you said you were previously, like you'd always sort of been interested in writing. You thought that that's what you were going to do maybe at one point. So that seems like a more natural transition for you. And you're already succeeding in the world of cooking. So talk to me a little bit about how you jumped into the world of writing after doing TV. Well, so it goes back to actually something else you said too, which was my first book was a hot mess. And my second book was much better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, like, but um, people should buy both. People should buy both. <laughs> yeah, people should buy both. And then compare the two. Yeah. But one thing that people do say is when they read the book, like I actually read the words, they can hear me narrating it to them. Right. Like I, I wrote it in my style and I have a very quirky, I was, I was raised on Seinfeld. You know, I've got that like irreverent kind of sense of humor. I, even the title chapters are kind of, uh, are, are very me driven. I, you know, I, it was done through Penguin Publishing. So it was like a real publisher and yeah. uh, they, they approached us through the, because of the show. And obviously that's a really easy way to piggyback off things. We were already traveling, so that made sense too. So, like, there was a travel component uh, to the book. But again, a cookbook really needs focus to do it properly. And I was so far from focus. Like, uh, I was like, okay, we'll we'll shoot nineteen recipes today, and then four again in three months. And my my girlfriend slash partner, who's also like the cookbooks photographer, she was like, "There's no way we're going to do nineteen photos today. You need like so." The process to making the second book was like, okay, this is our recipe calendar. This is our content calendar. This is our, this is my writing schedule, you know? And, and then it was just really sticking to it because they give you a year. Let me tell you how quickly that year flies. I can imagine. <laughs> like, it felt like university all over again. I'm like, oh man, my essay's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you're doing all nighters and then you're making mistakes and, but, you know, the, the process, and if I were to do a, a, a third cookbook, it would be even easier. Like, I've already got most of it written in my head already. The experience, I wish I had someone in my life in those early years that, like, took me under their wing and was like, listen, man, like, why don't we just acquire your business? We'll do this together. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to show you the way that I really would have benefited off of something like that. If someone like, like a real, like senior person in the industry saw the noise I was making and was like, listen, if you need help, why don't we just join our two companies together? You operate as yours. We'll operate as ours. And I'm here to give you assistance and, and, and resources. I think, uh, you know, that would have been a perfect scenario, but we don't live in a world of perfect scenarios. But what, okay, so conversely to that, what do you think were some of the advantages of you sort of, were there any positives of you has sort of being thrown into it and having to do it all yourself and learn on the fly? Do you think that you learned anything? I mean, you probably learned something to help you now, but do you think there, there were any sort of pros to that? Or is it all kind of like, fuck, I just wish I had no, I mean, yes, I wish I had had those things. Mm-hmm. However, like most things in my life, I learned it the hard way. And now it's like, now I just know it. Like it's not even, I don't even have to think about it. It's just, if if the process were to happen, like I do a lot of consulting for other other companies now and there's no way I would have been able to provide them or put a dollar figure to my my opinion if I hadn't done the the hard way of of that. And I I think it sucked in the beginning. Um, It sucks reliving it. But I do think in the end, I came out on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there always are certain advantages to like sort of having to learn by yourself. But then you think, I always think back, it's like, fuck, yeah, but that mistake that I learned cost this much money. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's just it though, right? Well, let's, um, I don't know how much you can, we were talking about this sort of before we started recording, how much you can tell us about what's going on now, but like, I, it's very clear that you're not going to be resting on your laurels anytime soon. You've always got something on the go. So what do fans of Matt Bicile have to look forward to? Well, I don't know. Maybe I should be sitting down for all this because uh, <laughs> there's, I, I, I'll be honest, like we've, uh, this is the, the least I've ever, I, I'm finally taking my own advice, if that makes sense. Yeah. I am 
I've never been uh, doing more, but doing less simultaneously. You know, I, I've kind of pulled back from all my different facets of food service, and I've you know I'm I'm integrating a lot more consulting into the into the company, which allows me. I, I want to treat things like a project from now on. Mm-hmm. Every and a project has a beginning, middle, and end. And I think, given how I've spent the the last ten years, that's how I need to approach at least for the time being my workload because I think I, you know, I, I, I burnt out for sure. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I very, very, very much believe I burned out. And I think in order to, to be the best version of myself and my best version of myself for other people, I need to, to physically work smart. My grandfather always used to say like work hard and be smart. So I did the work hard part. And mm-hmm. now I need to work smart. Like that's the, I'm, I'm in the work smart part of my, uh, the part of my journey. But the irony of all that is I started a new company. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, I started a new company with, uh, but, I, but it's a very, I can't say exactly what it is right now, but lo- long story short, it's in the food industry, it's, uh, but it's more product driven. It does lend itself into food experiences and, and food dinners. But my my role is to be a the head of, of culinary and product development, but also the head of marketing in it. And, and it's like, I've never been better suited with all these years of all these things I've done. It's actually, to your point, like when you were like, well, was it worth it or did you learn anything? Yeah, I did learn something. I learned how to do all the things right this time right, yeah. uh, in, in this company that I'm that I'm a part of. So there's I, there's three of us. There's three partners in it. My, like I have a very clear silo of where I'm supposed to be, kind of putting my energy in, and it will. I'll be. That's why I was asking you when this is coming out because I'll be able to finally announce when this is happening. Probably anywhere between middle of March to middle of April, I'll be able to announce exactly what I'm working on. But in the interim, it's it's not a restaurant, and it's definitely not it's nothing that people that know me would have ever seen coming. However, it's going to be really fucking cool when it does come, and I really hope that it makes a massive splash in the live fire cooking world. Okay. If that makes it is i think you've surrounded it without actually actually announcing it so that's perfect yeah i'll tell you guys after though yeah okay we won't we won't spill it uh okay you know what though and and it's not for any other reason than we're it's not that i'm trying to be like oh secretive and it's that there's like other people impacted by the company now like (laughs) it's not just me anymore being like working on this like there's there are a few of us that are working towards this goal. So we need to make sure that before we announce it's like officially coming, that there's certain land, um, certain like check marks that have and milestones that have been reached within the, the landscape of the project. But I'll tell you guys after it's okay. really fun. <laughs> I will say it's the coolest thing I've ever done. I'm so excited for it. If this occupies my next 10 years, just like the last 10 years have been occupied, like I can't wait um, it'll integrate travel and recipe development and product development, but still getting to interact with people on a daily basis. All the things I love about uh, about this amazing industry that we have that right now has a few hiccups and, and obstacles in it. Well, it sounds exciting, and I'm sure it, if it's, I'm sure it will be a success. If it's not, then it's not certainly not going to be because you didn't work hard enough. I can guarantee that. So that idea <laughs> yeah, yeah. sucks. Uh, Matt we really appreciate you coming on here this was I know you're a super busy guy so it's been great to spend a little time with you and we'll let you go you've given us some time let tell our listeners where they should be looking out for these future announcements where can they follow you etc well first off I want to thank you guys for uh, for asking me to be a part of this I think our industry needs to do a much better job of lifting others up instead of bringing people down and I think there's no better way than to have conversations so I really appreciate you asking me to be a part of this. And I hope, you know, I hope our industry has been through a, a shit ton of downsides the last couple of years. So to your 
first point when we got on this podcast today. I hope we are coming through the other side of this and um, and that we all kind of have a little bit of success and, and easier moments because God knows there's been not so yeah. many easy ones. But as far as following along is what we do, you can visit our, our my website, chefmatpasile.com. Subscribe to our newsletter there. You'll get monthly updates. Instagram is my number one way to talk to the people. So at Chef Matt Basile on Instagram. The TikTok, I'm, I'm all into the TikTok oh, now. I'm all nice. TikTok trends. Uh, <laughs> same handle there. And then uh, on YouTube, Chef Matt Basile as well, where you get more long-form recipe videos and uh, travel logs and stuff. Hopefully we'll be able to do travel logs again because yeah. travel is such a huge part of my continuing education in food. Like I, I really think that every, every human should travel more. Yes. We, we, you instantly become a better version of yourself when you leave your surroundings and you are forced to be in other people's environments. So chefs specifically, like before you go from culinary school to a dish pit, <laughs> like maybe travel the world, eat food, work for free, work for money, whatever it is, just learn a new skill and meet new people and, and understand flavor and, and how it can be so different in so many different parts of the world and what people gravitate towards. Because if you ultimately do want to, or if you're ever in a position to create a menu one day, you, you need to understand what people like. And that's actually a much harder task than it sounds. Like people like cheese. Okay, yeah. great. A, bunch, <laughs> a lot of cheese. Always yeah, you do yeah. cheese. So yeah. that, that, like, definitely travel more. I can't wait to travel more. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's where you can find out everything we're doing and all the different projects that are coming up. And I'm, I'm very excited for 2022. What year is this? 2022? Yeah, it's all a blur the last two yeah. years. But yeah, I'm very excited for the year. I'm excited for where it takes uh, it takes not only my career, but just um, where the, the industry is presenting new opportunities for chefs. I think it's about time. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Matt. Everybody should be checking out all the YouTube uh, recipe shows. They're awesome. Matt's uh, great on them. And again, we thank you for being on the show. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, thanks very much. Guys, take care.